No more staying in your own head about thought-provoking topics. Read along with a stress-free book club that fits into a busy lifestyle. From out of the pages to real life, explore the fine line between fiction and nonfiction as we pull from bestsellers that will change your life. Tune in to our bi-weekly book club of mind-bending and empowering stories hosted by Nova Lorraine, founder of Rain Magazine, and her two co-hosts, Toby Santagato and Barbara Donato. Welcome to Tuesday's Book Club. This is Nova Lorraine, and I am here with my co-hosts, Toby Santagato and Barbara Donato. Hi, ladies. The books that we cover on our podcast are books that are smart fiction and thought-provocative nonfiction for individuals that are on a journey of growth. Our next two books are The Nightingale by Kristen Hanna and Always Looking Up, The Adventures of an Incurable Optimist by Michael J. Fox. So if you're joining us for the first time, make sure you write down those books and follow along every two weeks. We have a new show with a new intriguing or possibly controversial book. Today's book is A Celestine Prophecy by James Redfield. So I'm going to share a few fun facts about the book. Redfield originally self-published Celestine Prophecy in 1993 and sold 100,000 copies out of the trunk of his car before getting picked up by a publisher. The book spent 165 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list, was made into an album in 1996, and as of May 2005, had sold over 5 million copies worldwide. It was then adapted into a film in 2006. Redfield has also expanded the book into a series. And so there are sequels to the book following this edition. So let's just dive in to a small summary from the publisher. In the rainforest of Peru, an ancient manuscript has been discovered. Within its pages are nine key insights into life itself. Insights each human being is predicted to grasp sequentially. One insight then another, as we move toward a completely spiritual culture on earth. Drawing on ancient wisdom, it tells you how to make connections among the events happening in your life right now and lets you see what is going to happen to you in the years to come. The story it tells is a gripping one of adventure and discovery, but it is also a guidebook that has the power to crystallize your perceptions of why you are where you are in life and to direct your steps with a new energy and optimism as you head into tomorrow. So that's the Celestine Prophecy Summary. I am dying to hear what do you guys think? Do you think they're pretty accurate in summing it up? I think so. I do too. Okay. And so it touches on nine key insights and that you have to discover these insights sequentially, one after another. You can't skip from Insight one to insight seven. <laughs> you know, you have to discover it. Darn, darn. <laughs> figure it out and then move on and evolve to the next one. So I thought that was really interesting. And 
Also, as I was reading different comments about the book, as I was doing my research, a few individuals commented that you don't find the book, the book finds you. Oh, Yeah, I just thought that was really interesting and would love to hear your thoughts on that. I think that if I didn't read The Alchemist, I would not necessarily have gotten as much out of this book. The Alchemist is the uh, book we read a while back on Tuesday's Book Club. And I think what was great about it was it kept reminding me about omens. And what the audience may not know is Nova and I know each other from Florida. And I came and moved to New Jersey. And her daughter, my daughter was a gymnast at Rutgers. And her daughter had actually committed to Temple. And something happened and she ended up not going there. And she ended up going on the gymnastic team at Rutgers, which to me is such an omen because here we are, we have a book club. So, I mean, what the heck? (laughs) And everybody says you never move away from Florida to New Jersey or Pennsylvania. So that makes it even more strange. Um, (laughs) Maybe we'll get Barbara to move here and then it'll be really weird. (laughs) But there's an omen right there. (laughs) You, You never know. No, you're absolutely right. And it's funny that you mentioned The Alchemist because in the book, it opens up about the insights. Speaking of having to discover them sequentially, is that you will only discover them when you're ready. Like you will only move on to the next one when you're ready. And so the first insight touches on synchronicities and coincidences and paying attention, like actually noticing those those things. And in the book of The Alchemist, for those that have not read it, and you better have if you're following our book club, but just saying. <laughs> and you're missing out. Throughout, <laughs> throughout the book, it dives deep in the importance of recognizing signs, messages, what the individuals that you meet in life and the impact that they'll make on you. So I loved how it started there. How about you, Barbara? Yeah, so did I. It just, one of the quotes that struck me was in the first chapter where it says, we become conscious of the coincidences in our lives. And it's true. That's the first insight. I just, again, I'm I'm just going to go with my life. I would never have thought to read this book um, or probably have even been opened up to it had it not been for me reading The Alchemist the second time. Because the first time I did not get out of it what I got out of it the second time. And that's because I was also going through a transitional period and I'm still going through it. So that's why this book, I think I was affected more by this book because of that. And I think that's why, you know, when you had stated that this book finds you, I believe that. I think it's true. I think that one of the things before The Alchemist or this book, people would say all the time, things happen for a reason. And I hate that. I hate that so much because it's usually, <laughs> it's usually said when it's a terrible thing, right? And you're like, no, but you know what? If you have that kind of attitude, you can have good things come out, doors open up when other doors close, even when it's painful. And I think that while I didn't understand that, philosophy. I I definitely am getting it more. It even helps during crisis, like having a bad week and then realizing, well, if I pay attention to that week, what happened? What's good about it? What's bad about it? So I think this is coincidence. I mean, again, the fact that Nova and I are up here, it's beyond a weird coincidence. The fact that her daughter ended up committing to one place and going to another is another coincidence. And the fact that we ended up connecting, like we could have been on the same team. Not everybody connects that but that we did. And of course, Metro for life, all three of us are Metro graduates. So we're all connected from even before when that was that a coincidence. So it's just, just spirals and, and it's a good coincidence. So here we are. That's right. 
And even with the first insight, I also got out of it that just that, like you said, things happen for a reason. Just this past week, I happened to be in my office and I just bought a new laptop. I was so excited about it. I'm going to put all my work stuff on it. This is great. I never dropped my phone. I tripped over a cord and my phone went right into my laptop screen. Oh my gosh. And I looked at it and I went, this was meant to be. I don't think I would have done that had I read this book, had I not read this book first. (laughs) I think I would have been a little, I had been on the phone with one of my employees and I, I called her back and she said, what happened? And I told her what happened. And she was like, oh my God, didn't you just buy that laptop? And I said, that's okay, my dear, because something better is going to come along. And I, and she looked at me, she said, what? And I was like, no, I really believe that. I believe something better is going to come along. I did not let it. And honestly, coincidence, I said, I had been thinking about maybe I should go home. Maybe I should go home because it was really late that night. And once that happened, it was like, this is a sign. I need to go home. <laughs> and that's exactly what I did. I shut everything down and I went straight home and I just did a mental break for the rest of the night. It worked out. I woke up the next day nice and refreshed. I love it. I love those examples. Yeah, I think, you know, referencing back to The Alchemist, which is such a great read, and we covered it on our first episode. So please revisit that. And I read it, I think, two times as well. And that definitely made me more aware of what they were talking about in the first insight. And so when things are happening over and over again, when you're noticing patterns, when someone crosses your path and they feel familiar to pay attention to that. And so speaking of something that could have been seen as like, oh my gosh, similar to Barbara's story, but then you flip it if you're paying attention. As I was picking my son up from practice and I said, you know what, let's stop and grab something to eat on the way home. And so we did. And I was like, oh, I'm feeling a little venturous tonight. I'm willing to go to several places. Let's see who wants what. And I'll just take my time and drive and pick these things up. And when I was ready to get on the highway, something told me to just check the traffic. I don't even know why. Like it was just a little thing like check the traffic. So I went on. No, I'm sorry. Now I remember. I <laughs> it wasn't a little thing. I saw like fire trucks like driving by and I was like, hmm, that wasn't a little thing. So that was a big thing. That was a big sign. And so I saw fire trucks driving by. And I said, I'm not sure where they're going, but that is the direction that we're going. Check the traffic. So I I get on ways and I check the traffic. Sure enough, there is a backup for miles. And I was like, oh, okay, we're going to have to find a new route home. And I'm looking, I'm like going through GPS, like, nope, that's not going to work. It's taking me to the same highway. Nope, that's not going to work. And then finally I found a route through town and here we are driving through town and we discover a whole new shopping center that we're like, oh. We didn't even know this was over here. Blah, 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 blah. (laughs) And then we got on this other route and we got home in the same amount of time we would have originally and discovered a new shopping center and didn't have to stay in traffic. And, but instead of like, oh, there's traffic, I can't believe, blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, well, I get to know, learn a new route home. And so that was, again, if I wasn't paying attention, I would have been like, oh, fire trucks. Oh, okay. And I would have just headed on the highway and sat there for hours. So I do think it's really important for us to just be a little more alert and aware and seeing how things connect. And then, of course, those things that would we would normally call coincidences to really pay attention to those synchronicities. And throughout the book, the main character is told over and over again, like, did you see what happened? Like, it's not like he had, I wish people did this for us, right? 
here's a coincidence, there's a coincidence, but he gets to have, we don't get that. We have to really pay attention. But in the story, he is told by multiple people, what just happened to you? What just happened to you? And he gets to evaluate that and we get to see him going through all of those scenarios. Unfortunately, we don't get that. So we have to be even more clever. But I think that two of the things that stood out for me is there's two types of insights. There's some people say like when you declare that you want something, the world is your oyster and it opens up. And that's like insight, but you are already declaring it. And then of course you have to look for the omens that help assist you. And in The Alchemist, it was more that kind of thing. He declared some kind of path and things he started noticing and it, it came his way. Well, in this, it's not really a declaration. In his, he kind of, they're like haphazard and he's told to pay attention to haphazard. And I think that life's more like that. Yes, sometimes we have goals and we declare them, but I think often it's more day in nuances that we're not paying attention to. And those can be just as important as the ones that are declared. And uh, we should pay attention to those. I really do. And I think it's a little bit different. The end game is we should pay attention to a lot of things that are happening. You know what? That, Toby, I just, you hit something for me. It reminds me, and again, I'm going to go back to another book we've read, Mutant Message, where the, the Aboriginals are very in tuned with nature. They're very in tuned with their surroundings. And because they're so in tuned with their surroundings, there are so many things that the author looked at was as if they were miraculous, but yet this was their everyday life because they pay attention. And that's one of the things that I got out of uh, the Celestine prophecy. It's paying attention. Take a, like literally just feel, we go through life so fast that we don't normally, we don't see the coincidence, anything that's a coincidence. We don't see the repetition of different things that happen. And if we were to just sit down a little bit and go, you know what? I did that yesterday. Or I saw this man keeps coming, this stranger. You know, every time I walk down this particular street, I see him every single time. And I've never seen him before in the last year that I've been walking down. You never know. This could be the same person that is looking for a job or he could be the person that's going to give you a better opportunity. Like he bumped into you, you just like just walk away instead of just taking your time to say, oh, you know, excuse me. And just saying something silly or the look, having eye contact. You never know what a situation that you rushed through and didn't pay attention to could lead you had you just taken your time to absorb it. Yeah, I'm so guilty of that. I'm so guilty of that. So that's so true and profound. And actually, they touch on that later in the book, which we'll get to where individuals that you make a sudden eye contact with are individuals that you should be speaking to. So, but we'll get to that. But I love how we're spending a lot of time on this insight because you can't move on to the other insights without understanding this one. Like if you are not seeing coincidences and synchronicities and patterns, and then you're not evolving. And I guess that's the whole point is as you go through the book and on this adventure with the narrator, you're seeing him evolve and grow and learn in this world, in this space that he's very unfamiliar with. And he has to grasp the understanding and then apply it in order to move forward. So when I was reading this, I started thinking, I was like, hmm, where am I in these insights? Have I seen the coincidence? Have I understood the longer now, which is insight number two. And I'll share one quick synchronicity before we move on to insight number two. As my firstborn, as you know, I have four. My firstborn is named Bryson. and 
to get the context of the story, my husband's a junior and his father was waiting for the third. Okay. So we did not find out if we were having a boy or girl until we had had our children. And this is for all children. We didn't find out what we were having. Same, same. Yeah. So everyone was like waiting because now you're going to know what the name is going to be and blah, blah, blah. So anyhow, we did have... Girl, we're so disciplined. <laughs> Aren't we disciplined? Yes, we are. <laughs> and we had a list of names, right? And I'm getting to my point. We had a list of names and the third definitely was on the list. But anyway, it was a very challenging labor. And I said, I need a name that really... <laughs> fits this experience I just went through. And I need something strong. And was just like, okay, well, we're going to name him Bryson. Bryson was not on the list. Okay. <laughs> and it was a name that I was working this temp position and the supervisor's last name, mind you, was Bryce. And his name was Mr. Bryce. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. I like that. That'd be a cool nickname. Let me look it up to see what, or name, let me see what it means. And then the full name was Bryson, nicknamed Bryson. And I love the meaning. It was the son of a nobleman. And I was like, oh, I love that. That means he's going to be noble. But it was, it was just like, oh, I love the name, but it wasn't on this list. And so anyway, when I went through the labor, that name came to me. And without a doubt, I was like, Bryson, he's going to be Bryson. So now all the phone calls are running, rolling in. Everyone's like, what's the name? What's the name? And then when... <laughs> When my father-in-law, my husband's father calls and we share the name, there was this long pause, okay? Because of course, if it was a boy, it's going to be the third, like, hello. And there was a long pause and it was like, okay, all right. So he then calls us the next day and he says, you know what? I was passing a building that I pass every single day. And after I got off the phone call with you both on the same building that I pass every day that I've never seen before across the top in big letters was Bryson. Oh my gosh. And he said, when I saw that, I knew that it was okay. Like he had, it was, isn't that crazy? Like literally after he heard the name. That's so cool. I love that. And names are, and we're not going to, I won't go on, but names are a big deal. We had fights in my family about names and so on and so forth. So it may seem like, oh, well, what's the big deal about a story? But those are big deals, names of and generations and passing on. So I get that. It was a, a big moment at the time. Definitely. That was a huge synchronicity. So that was an example of paying attention and then and applying it. So, all right. So we're just going to touch on the second insight, which I thought was interesting. It was looking at how we relate to our history and how we've evolved as societies, as civilizations throughout history. And the role each of these major moments had in our evolution. So that was pretty fascinating. And how we are really in what is called a longer now. And um want to hear what you guys think about that. Of all the insights, this one, I wasn't really a, I don't know, a fan of it, I guess you could say. I wasn't really um I had to read it over again to be able to really understand what she was trying to say. I think what I got from it was what our place is and what we contribute to the now, I guess, to the longer now. What, like, what is our place in history and what are we going to contribute to the future, to our future generation? And so in order for us to know or to appreciate what we're doing, we have to think about what the past did for us and how how we were developed and how we grew or didn't grow 
uh, based on whatever we had to deal with or our answers had to deal with in the past. So, and which is again, something that I guess I could, we could kind of correlate to what's going on in, in our current times. Mm, yeah. I was thinking that it's, there was a lot of parallels. So I get what you're saying, but I think that they were talking about like the long view of things and over time. And we tend to be negative about time even now. But if we go back in time, we have evolved and we have improved. Things have gotten better than they were 200 years ago and they've changed. But I also think they also tied it into personal evolution of your family, your parents, and then their parents behind them and their parents behind them and how each person changed because in spite of or because of or because of their parents. So it was like historically, you can look at yourself and your evolution And then also they talk about the book. And so I think that there was like a parallel there and that it wasn't, we tend to look back and say, well, I'm going to do this better and this different than our families, but we can also evolve in a positive way by looking back, but not necessarily looking back negatively, just in learning. It wasn't saying to look back negatively. They kept saying that over and over again. No, I was saying that's interesting. Both of your perspectives are different than mine. And I'm liking that I'm learning as I'm listening to the both of you, like, oh, that's such a great point. What I took from it was that everything going back to, I think Barbara had mentioned everything or Toby had mentioned everything happens for a reason and, not, and hating that phrase because it's used so many times. But he was laying out each historical event prepared that next civilization for what their role was going to be in history. And there was a period of time where our focus was on becoming industrialized to create conveniences for ourselves. And our attention was placed on material gain. And now we're in a place of unrest because we're seeking more. Now that we've created a world where life can be convenient, um, and I know there's disparities throughout the world, but we've created technologies to make living more convenient. And we've spent so many years, decades, generations focusing on getting the next, whatever, maybe the job, the house, the more money or whatever. I mean, education, it's been all about these material things. And now it's time, now that we've created this foundation, it's time to focus on how we are going to evolve, not from a technological standpoint, but from a spiritual standpoint. But the industrial revolution and technology, the advancement in technology was needed to give us the time and the ability to now focus back on ourselves. That's what I took from it. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I do too. But you know what? I don't understand why that's the second insight. Like, why could that not have been like the eighth insight? Like there's, I just feel like the other insights, I felt like those were needed before we can get to that one. That to me was, okay, now we're self-aware. What does that have to do with changing from one part of society, the way one part of society thought to outward? Like, cause I thought the way it, I read it was they were, we were originally think inwardly spiritual and then uh, church oriented. And then we went to, okay, now let's go to science. And so that's more outward. So why would how would we go from inward to outward? Well, I just felt like that should have been, let's do inward energy and then outward. 
I think it was just saying that we're, we're evolving and this is the next phase. And they wanted to show that we continuously evolve. I think we're getting too deep. We evolve. We evolved before. We're evolving now. And because of, it's like the economy. It goes up, down, up, down. You right, know, we're going right. to evolve. And this is, we're so overburdened with all these things that are available to us that we're not present. I'm not present. So the next, so it's trying to show us like, don't worry, this stuff happened. And this is, and then it goes through the next insights, but it wants you to know because you're ready. Mm, That's all. Mm. I see that. I think I overthought that too much. <laughs> With that, on that note, we'll just move on to the next one. Okay, Toby just said, listen, we spent a little bit too much time on the second insight. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the third one. <laughs> it's about energy and how there's energy in the world around us and how we interact with that energy. And knowing that, we then can tap into it to transcend. Let's dive deep into that. I think that the third and fourth are kind of almost married to one another because it talks about the energy and then it talks about competing for energy. And I know that this was a huge thing for me. This was like one of the moments in the book that I was like, and I don't want to be negative about myself, but I'm guilty. I'm a very high energy person. And I don't know if you call it super successful, but stuff that I choose to do, I'm definitely not going to, it's like a dog with a bone. I'm not going to give up till I get it. But what happens is sometimes I steal other people's energy by pushing my agenda. And I thought that that was interesting because I saw me, you know, I was doing it with my husband this week and people around and often the people that know me, but aren't super close to me are like, I love her energy (laughs) because it's periodic for them. But when I'm with people that I'm really close with, it can be overpowering and I'm stealing their energy by, I'm like a thief. And I noticed it so much this week. And so when you steal someone else's energy, you do get energized initially. But if you're close with them and you're taking their energy, they're going to impact you because they they don't have energy. And it's just like a polka dance. Yeah, for sure. Love this section. It helped me um, transform moment by moment. I keep doing it. So don't, I'm totally guilty, but I'm able to see when I'm doing it and try to limit that and give energy to other people so that I can be energized as well. Mm. So it's, it's really interesting. I, I love this section for sure. Yeah, the third and fourth insight were definitely my favorite as well, just because you and I, Nova, had talked about last year, we had a conversation and one of the things that struck me was when you talked about how we are attracted to certain energies. And it really, and I thought about that conversation afterward, like I tend to do after we talk. And it reminded me of, At my previous job, I had two male friends. They were a platonic relationship. They were very good friends. None of us understood their friendship. They were the best of friends and you couldn't have met more opposite people. It was just, I just thought about one interest as opposed to the other, just everything, politically, religious, relationship-wise. I just, the way that they addressed different issues, especially at work, we're just polar opposite. But yet, outside of work, they were the best of friends. I mean, this one would babysit the children of the other, and I wouldn't have even let him babysit my animals. You know what I, mean? just, I never understood it. But when I thought about their energy, I felt like their energy were very compatible. Mm. Even with my husband, my husband and I are very, very different people. And he would always say to me, 
I'm going to put the kids to sleep because when you're around them, they are, you just make them want to play. He was like, they don't know how to calm down when you're around. He was like, so go to, go to your room. Go to your room. Yeah. He was like, go to your room. He was like, get, you know, cause I would always be like, I, they're not going to bed. They're jumping off the bed. I don't know what's going on. I did the whole routine. I washed them up. I read them a story and they're still like on 100. And my husband was like, go, let me take care of it. Let me. So we started to get into that pattern where I would do the bedtime routine. And then when it, once they were in the bed and we prayed and we did the night, night song, I left and daddy would come in there and his energy, they were asleep within 10 minutes. <laughs> oh, wow. 10 minutes. <laughs> And I would always say to him, how do you do that? I love it. Like how in the world? But yeah, I, I do. I think it's the energy that we bring into this world, the energy that we have. I think everything has energy. I think we're all able to connect with each other through that energy. Sometimes you'll see someone who is a wonderful person and you would think that you could be friends with them, but there's something about them that's like, Ugh, you know what? I can, it's going to have to be a high buy for me. Even though everybody was like, well, how come you guys, I don't understand. You guys would make the best of friends. I believe it's the energy. Maybe the energy just doesn't fit. Yeah, no, I agree. And I'd have to echo both your sentiments. This section, the third through the sixth was super powerful for me. And as a commentator mentioned the book, you don't find the book, the book finds you. I don't even remember how I came across the book to recommend it for the book club, but I did come across it when I was taking a grad course in mindfulness. And there was a section that we were researching and discussing in class about mindful eating. And I never really thought about food in the form of mindfulness or in the form of meditation and how it can really bring you into the present moment. And what they would do in order to mindfully eat, you would really take your time and chewing and savoring and appreciating every bite of this meal. And so sometimes it may take you an hour or two to finish a meal or an hour or so to, to finish a cup of tea if you're mindfully eating. In this insight, starting with number three, it takes it to another level where it discusses the energy in nature that exists all around us and how these plants can be more potent in terms of the amount of minerals and proteins and the nutrient that it gives you just by us as humans paying more attention to the plant. And not only that, they went even further with their research, the scientists in this one place that they went to, and assigning individuals to interact with the plant, giving the plant direction to grow more or to grow stronger. And then when they measured the amount of nutrients in the plants that were given the verbal instruction um, versus those that were just given the attention, the ones that were also given the verbal instruction had, again, become more potent in its delivery of nutrients. And so it starts there. I was like, oh my gosh. Again, going back to insight number one, paying attention, bringing that together with the understanding of the energy that's within nature and then how by you just paying attention to nature that you can increase the energy that then you can tap into as a human being. But it, and it starts with bringing that food within your body in a mindful way. And then if you understand that connection, you'll understand the connection you have energetically with two individuals and how if you're depleted, you may unknowingly 
sometimes intentionally take someone's energy from them to raise up your own energy. It was just fascinating. Yeah, I, I loved it. And, I, and right before we started recording this, Nova told me a, a saying, love is the act of paying attention. And even when they would assign these people energy to the plants, I mean, what were they doing? They were showing the plant love by giving it attention. I feel like love, sometimes the word is overused and almost like sometimes you don't know how to describe what love is because it's so rampant. But if you're, I love that. If you're paying attention to somebody, mindfully paying attention and giving them your love, it's energy. It creates energy. You can feel it. You can feel it when it's genuine. You could apply that to anything. My uh, last weekend, one of my girlfriends said to me, Barbara, you get 100% back what you put in. If you put in 100%, you get it back. She said, so if you want to get this inflow of positivity or positive results, you need to do that outflow of positivity 100% of, and you'll get it back. And again, I was just like, man, it. I went to bed that night thinking about that. I woke up the next day thinking about that. And I said, man, I could apply that to anything I do. Yeah, that's true. At the time when she said that to me, I was also reading the book and I said, I can apply this. If we put our energy into something with love, let's talk about the positive. If we put our our positivity, our energy, our focus, our attention, our love into something, it's going to grow. And I love that about the book. I love that the book, I love that every insight had an example, like you stated, and and Toby. And I just love that example for when they talked about looking at your hands and looking at how he's able to look at the energy from eating plants. And for me, I was like, he's, so we're loving these plants. We're eating these plants. These plants are giving us their, the, giving us back the love that we gave to them. You know, it was just, just, just like a beautiful cycle, positivity of love, of attention, of energy. I was thinking, because they talk about a negative side to this too, uh, the codependency thing mm-hmm. and how when you first meet somebody and it's a, you click, you have this energy that becomes, you're addicted to it. And it doesn't mean that you can't stay with that person, but when you become addicted to somebody and you lose yourself and you're codependent on the other one for the energy, what happens is in the beginning, and I know I've experienced this with my husband for sure, for 30 years, we were like, we we're codependent on one another. And it doesn't mean that you don't stay together, but you don't want to lose your own identity, your own energy. And what happens with the dynamic is what I was talking about before is you steal it because you now you have separate roles. And of course, the opposites attract, which is another reason why you have this energy issue. Because when you first meet each other, it seems like everything is exactly the same. But at the end of the day, you attracted because you had different types of energy. But because you become one person, you know, everybody says that's the goal, one person. But really, you should, based on the book, and I agree with this, and I'm guilty of it, Stay your own self and your own energy and give that to that person as you were attracted. Yeah, you were attracted to you for this certain energy. Don't lose yourself. That is so powerful. And thanks for sharing that because I think it can, you can apply that to so many things. And our listeners can also reflect on their own situations, their own relationships, share this information with others. It's an explanation of, possibly why relationships don't work out after a while and they seem so perfect in the beginning or 
why things become very ugly and it was bliss for the first 90 days or three years or whatever. It's always bliss, right? (laughs) I mean, everybody's had the bliss, no matter what, no matter how long you've been in a relationship. If you started a relationship at some moment in time, a week, a day, a year, there was bliss. Why does it change? Right. And then if you recognize in the book, it references the main character and a woman he meets. And he initially is very physically attracted to her. I mean, there's this intense energy exchange between the two of them. And so much so as they move on in the story, so much so where she wants him, she has the opportunity to go back home. And mind you, our listeners, as you know, throughout the book, they're literally running for their lives. They're trying to stay alive each and every day. And so she finally has an opportunity to go home. And she's like, come back with me. But he was on this mission where he was supposed to help discover, uncover the ninth insight. And he was nowhere near finishing this mission. And for a moment, he was ready to just give that up to go back home with her because that attraction was so intense. And their conversation got interrupted, so it never really panned out. But it was brought to his attention later on that that was not supposed to happen. And if they did get together, eventually, not too long after the relationship would have started, it would have ended because they would have started it with this addiction to each other's energy. And they needed to grow more before coming together. So that was just like, whoa. (laughs) Yeah. But if you think about it, the reason why he was able to, I mean, it's so hard to push back when you have that attraction. And the reason why he was able to push back was he had these other insights. So if he knew Normally, if he didn't know any of these prior insights, he probably just would have left. I mean, why would you not go with this chick that you, you're hot for that likes you, you like her, and you're running for your life? But because he had these other moments, he understood. And I, you know, while you guys were talking, I was thinking, I wish people would tell me that. But then I was thinking, people have told me I wasn't listening. People have told me before, like, not necessarily not to be with my husband, but like, maybe don't tolerate certain things. Or I know my husband told his brother who actually passed away at 49, he had a very unwell life from toxic relationships that probably cost him his life and addiction. And I remember he told his brother with his first wife, his brother came to him and said, should I marry her? And this is, you know, this is going to your big brother. And he said, don't marry her. And he didn't listen. And I've had people message. So we do, we do reach out. We do ask people do tell. So we kind of listen to this book and we go, oh, no one tells us. This is just a book. But no, actually, maybe people do. Maybe they do. We're not listening. We're not paying attention. <laughs> I believe that. It's so funny because I, I when, in my youth, I used to do things like, you know, I'd pray and I'd be like, dear God, give me a sign. Give me a sign. And I'll, <laughs> you know, I'll do this or, you know, I'll do that. And I'm telling you, I really do believe that he would give me signs. And I'd be like, if it's not the sign I want, I'd be like, man, I can't find that sign. You know, like, but, you know, I'm still looking. I guess that means I got to do it knowing darn well. Yeah, you know, it's like, I know that the results are not going to end well. But at the moment, I feel like I want to do, it's going to make me feel good today. I'm going to have, but I'm going to suffer the consequences tomorrow. We just don't, we are just like, and we are so prone to following what we feel in the now. And we're not, and again, because, but had he not known about the other insights, I'm pretty sure he would have been like, oh yeah, I'm going for it. And I, I think now, like even for us reading this book, I think now if I went, okay, God, give me a sign. And he gave me a sign. And I'm like, I don't want to do this today. 
but I think I'll do it because I know that tomorrow it would give me a better result. You know what I mean? It's also about experience and, and really feeling, like you said, like we talked about earlier, feeling that moment, being very conscious of those coincidences. Yeah, for sure. And also not losing your energy. Like when people talk to you a certain way and they try to guide you in a way that's going to take away who you are as a human, yeah. you need to block that though. That's not a sign. That's people trying to change what you've got to give. I've been doing this new job and I'm working with this company and a couple my boss will say something like, it's just the way it is. And that's the way people are. And I keep saying to everyone that went, that's rude to me because I'm with customer relations now. And I'm like, I don't want to change who I am. I don't want to be jaded. I want to love people. I want to be passionate about it. And if there's a few people that are bad apples, why would I take that and then decide that everyone's a bad apple? I'm not going to change. I refuse. And that's my energy. And they talk about that, like, hold on to your energy, hold on to who you are as an individual, even in interaction. So I, I've been saying that all week because I've had a rough couple of weeks. People have been yelling me a lot the last couple of weeks and been very cruel and ugly in this customer relationship debt management situation. And I really was depressed, but I didn't get depressed and become jaded. I refuse. I'm either going to leave because I don't want to be jaded or I'm just going to continue to be who I am, but I don't want to be jaded. I agree with you. It's like the he had mentioned something about the fourth insight. I think he had talked about some of the troubles of the world is because we're competing for energy. Yes. And I think about some Facebook, I call them debates <laughs> that I've had in the past. And my daughter said, why are you, she said, mom, all you're doing is making yourself upset. And this person is probably sitting in that computer eating Twinkies and going on to the next person. She, he was like, he's probably arguing with three different Barbaras, pissing them off. <laughs> this is my 16-year-old. She's like, she said, so why are you doing that? Why are you letting him piss you off? What's the point? He's not going to change his position and you're not going to change yours. And it's true. Like, it's the transfer of energy. And so I said, you know what? And I'm an admin on this on this wonderful page. It's not that wonderful. but um. And I said to myself, I said, I'm going to give this energy and I'm going to ignore the energy he's trying to take from me. Because what he's doing is, and I do, there's things I want for that page and there's things I want for this group. And it's, a, you know, it's a very, very different people. You know, a lot of them, the most vocal ones have one thought pattern, you know, and I try to give them different ideas and different outlooks, which I like. And this one person doesn't like it. So he tries to take that energy from me. And I said to him, after I talked to my daughter, I said, I'm not going to allow you to do this. You don't want a healthy debate. You don't want to have healthy discussion. You just want to be right. And if you're not right, it makes you angry. So you decide that you want to post things to make me angry instead of making me think. Well, that's a perfect lead into our next insight. And once we finish discussing insight number six, let's talk about a question that came up prior to us hitting record, which is, is this book fiction or nonfiction? So with insight number six and referencing your Facebook example, what's discussed is, okay, once, yes, you figure out and understand that there's energy in the world around us and you can start taking in that energy initially through eating and mindfully eating and being conscious of the energy exchange between you and others. And then, well, how do you fix or how do you get past this next insight if you are 
taking someone's energy unintentionally or allowing yourself um, to have that energy stolen, so to speak. And it goes into what they call dramas. Like each of us have a drama and how I would personally describe it is a way of communicating with someone else and how you learn this drama or communication or your ability to protect your energy and maintain your energy is based on your upbringing, like your immediate family that you were within as a child. And until you are able to recognize your drama, and in the book it goes into four, and pay attention to it in order to change or not operate with a drama, you're not able to transcend to the next insight. And so you're sort of stuck there. And it sounds like this interaction between this individual within the Facebook group and yourself was maybe this person is using a drama, quote unquote, that they developed as a survival mechanism as a child in order to, as as a way to communicate with others to protect or take energy. So I would just want to touch on that a little bit before we move into, is this a book fact or fiction? So what do you guys think about the dramas that insight? I love the example they gave with the parents and the young girl and how they were just just on her and hard on her and hard on her and hard on her. And her reaction was such a violent reaction. That example that when it was addressed to the narrator and they were saying, you know what, she, they probably were the same way when they were younger. And when she grows up, she's probably going to end up being like them because that's what she knows. For me, I was thinking to myself, like, how do you break that cycle? How do you work to transfer, to change your energy pattern to where you're not, how do you fix it to where that drama goes away? Because I noticed that we do in this world do that. Like we do, this is not just a book situation. This is something that I'd see in everyday life. Can't, you know, when their back is against the wall, they lash out in either a violent way or a hurtful way. And the, the narrator goes as far as stating, not the narrator, excuse me, the author that our worldly problems go back to these dramas. Exactly. And if each of us individually are able to like move past this point and not use a controlled drama is what they call it, a controlled drama, as we communicate and interact with individuals, then you wouldn't have like the wars and all this other negative events happening. Yeah. Remember there was, there was like a scene in the book where there was something going on and they were like, the person was like, what's wrong? which I love that idea and I'm going to try it because when you're like bickering or you're having a control drama and you just stop for a minute, which means you're not talking and you just say, what's wrong? You can find out a lot of stuff and it could be nothing to do with this. And it's, first of all, it slows us down and you get to hear the person you're asking them a question. And in the book, like it, sometimes it's not even related, right? You're bantering. We were at Home Depot the other day and I was fighting with my husband. He wasn't listening to me. And later on, he, he told me he didn't feel good. So, and he was just being difficult, but it was because he didn't feel good. So if I would have just said, Hey, what's wrong? And he would have told me, I'd have been, I would have been like, Oh, okay. But instead we were making a ring out about like where to find a piece of molding. <laughs> so stupid. So I love that. Just slow things down and just ask, Hey, what's wrong? Be surprised. I like that too. I'm going to mm-hmm. use that. Me too. I'm just going to highlight for our listeners, these different control dramas, just for you guys to think about on your own and definitely revisit this uh, insight in the book. There are four control dramas that are outlined, intimidators who threaten and bully, interrogators who question and judge, 
aloof people who play coy and poor me types who make us feel guilty and responsible for them. And so it's our initial reaction to any control drama that has been listed is, oh, (laughs) none of those apply to me. Oh, no, no. But I can find so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so who they apply to. But the point that the author is trying to make is that... And you can be a blend. Remember, they said you could be a blend. Yeah, there could be a blend, right, in between two or more. But the point is to reflect back on yourself to say, what am I doing when I'm interacting in a way that's this negative sort of banter? Am I using a control drama based on a style that I learned in order to hold my energy as a child? So that's just something I thought was really powerful. I love that, Toby, the question on what's wrong. And so the next time you're in some sort of negative banter, maybe just stop, take a moment, breathe and ask what's wrong. And then reflect on yourself. Are you trying to control the situation for one reason or another? And you become their friend. You then become their friend because you now want to know. So fact or fiction, nonfiction or fiction, this question came up in several of the comments that I was reading from other readers. I'd love to know your, your thoughts about this book. Is it fact or fiction? I think it's fiction, but I think that everybody goes through some nuances of this in stages. And I think we're all experiencing it, even people that don't know. But like when they said that the guy disappeared, his energy was so great. He went to another plane. They kind of lost me there. I I don't think we're there. (laughs) I don't, you know, in my most self-actualized moments, and I've had those where I'm like, where I'm driving the car after like I went to this convention, I'm literally driving and I'm knowing everything about me and, and it's all good and I get life and purpose and me and everything. I don't disappear. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, but I'm going to point out the last book we just read, Neverwhere, right? The world under the world underneath London, you couldn't really see those people. So were they in a lower vibration? Because I guess as you ascend, you start vibrating higher and evolve. So were they not seen because London above was vibrating at a higher vibration than London below? Hmm, I don't know. (laughs) No, no, because they saw them and then they disappeared. If it was someone they never saw, but like the guy was there and then all of a sudden he disappeared. Oh, no, (laughs) not me. (laughs) How about you, Barbara? What are your thoughts? We talked about this earlier. It's, I don't know. Like I I do... Just from last year when when I told you that we had talked about the the whole energy thing and I started talking, getting into it, even to this week when I I watched this whole YouTube channel where a doctor was talking about, like he mentioned energy and how certain energy patterns in your body reacts to viruses. We're dealing with some issues right now with a major virus outbreak. And he was talking about just a certain way that your output is, your waves are, that can help, not so much eradicate but can help fight it. And I I kind of believe that energy is a big thing. I think we, the way we attract things, the way we attract people, the flow in this world, the energy, what is it? The the waves, I guess, in this world really do affect our everyday life and ourselves. I think we should take it more seriously. And I think that we, if we should really study it and look into it, I don't think he disappeared per se. I think... (laughs) (laughs) I do. All I, right. I do. I, I think that was probably just like a metaphor for him. Just <laughs> really, I do. As the military people don't see. Remember, the military people couldn't see him. Come on. 
<laughs> There's so many things that happen in, in our world now today that we just can't explain. I do, I think. But I'm one of those people, though. Like, you know, I do believe in, like, I'm very science fiction. The Doctor Who is my favorite character. But I do, I do believe that there, I don't think he necessarily disappeared. I think he just became to, a, got to a point where they just didn't want to see him or they just couldn't see him because their mind just weren't limited. That's so interesting. I didn't even think about it like that. That's fascinating. The author purposely does not name the main character. And as I'm reading the book, I remember getting to the end. I'm like, what was the main character's name? I thought I was going crazy. And I'm looking through the book and I was like, okay, no, I still don't see a name. So then I had to Google it and I was like, ah, there is no name. I thought I just forgot and completely blanked. Oh, I didn't know that. That's so cool. He probably does not name the author because he wants the reader to put themselves in the, as, as the narrator. He wants the reader to experience this journey as a narrator is experiencing the journey. And he also had the intention of this being a parable as opposed to a novel, but use a plot and adventure to add excitement to the parables that he wanted us to take out of it. But it's funny how there is this debate. Is it nonfiction or fiction? There is a debate. And one comment that stood out to me was that only the reader can answer that based on their experience. So there is no right or wrong answer. It's really based on your experience as a reader. Is it nonfiction or fiction? So I thought that was really powerful. I know we are running close to time and I just want to quickly ask you guys what happens next. I think that he goes back to the States. I think that he, I think he goes back to Charlene. Am I saying her name properly? Uh, Charlene, Charlene, because he, he felt that because he's known her, he was already attracted to her and he had already, like when he had saw her in the beginning of the book, he was really asking himself, like, what happened that we never did this? And I think he wanted to explore that relationship. But I also feel like he he's a very changed individual. He started to see things differently. He started to interact with people differently. People recognized that within him. And they wanted they asked him, like, what happened? What did you experience in Peru? And with that, he proceeded to just go out and just start teaching that. Did the teachings of the manuscript is what I felt like. So he developed a relationship with Charlene. And then he went out and just started to teach and tell as many people as he could what he learned and how they can, I guess, make their lives better with all the insights that he had already learned. I think he went back to teaching, which was his first love, but he he had gotten sad. Like that was his dream job. And he wasn't touching those kids with autism because he wasn't doing it in the way that would make a difference. And he actually got renewed love for his work and went back and did it in a way that impacted. Mm. Oh yeah. That's really interesting too. Yeah. Because I think he became disgruntled because he saw that he wasn't making an impact on these lot on the lives of these teenagers. He was frustrated. He thought he could and he wasn't. Yeah. I would say, and now I want to combine both of your comments. Cause I'm like, yes, that's what happens <laughs> <laughs> in the beginning. We saw how easy the friendship and conversation interaction was with him and Charlene to the point where they both had to stop and question why they never pursued a relationship together. I thought that was powerful. But I think, again, we have missed opportunities because we are so busy with whatever we're doing at that moment and we don't see things for what they really are. And I think that was an example, perfect example of two people that probably would have had an amazing time together, but were busy with their careers 
and missed the boat for however many years they had not spoken, five, 10 years or something like that. And paying attention to those moments that are really easy, right? And free flowing. Right. However, that connection he had with Marjorie was really intense. And now that he's grown, would he pursue that relationship with Marjorie? And so I think he actually looks for Marjorie because that was the most recent connection, realizes she hasn't progressed past a certain number of insights that he has, and therefore the relationship wouldn't work in the long term. And then he then looks for Charlene and they have a really great relationship and go off in the mountains where his lake house was or whatever. But I love the idea of him going back and teaching as well. So I'm just going to take a little bit of everything you guys just said. That would be great, huh? Yes, this was an amazing book on so many levels. And I'm going to just share the impact they had on me and I'll let you two do the same. And then we can say goodbye to our listeners. It's so hard to say goodbye. When I was reading this book, the coincidences that were happening that aligned with each chapter was phenomenal. Like it was, it was crazy. Like each chapter I was like, and then it was applicable to that moment at that time in my life. And so if you do decide to read others' experiences after reading this book, it's interesting to see how it's impacted their lives and while reading it and thereafter. So for me, it's allowed me to pay more attention to how I interact with individuals and to try to identify my quote-unquote control drama so I can just be a better friend, parent, person as I'm interacting with people around me. And so that's, so I'm very grateful that I have read this book and I'm going to turn the mic to you two. It just reinforced what the alchemist mutant message, Chanel, just about every book that we've read so far, it just reinforced that theme of self-awareness, sitting, being more conscious of yourself. I just take the time to sit down and listen to the world around you listen to the people, don't walk past them, you know, look at them in the eye, communicate with them, really hold true to not just yourself, but to just to what you're doing, to be more connected. It's pretty much is what it is. I just want to be more connected with my children, with my peers, with my employees, with just everyone and just sit and listen, truly listen and truly absorb is what I got out of this book. What I got out of it and Definitely what you both got out of it. But what I got out of it is just knowing and trusting that what's coming is meant to be. And there's going to be hiccups, but that it's going to be okay. And you just pay attention. Actually, there's a big anniversary for my family today. Four years ago today, my husband had knee replacement. And he honestly, he, he almost died. He's no longer at the company he was at. There's a lot of drama there. And he, and he said something today, like negative. And I said, but you didn't love your job. Um, you probably would still be there because you're the kind of person that's super loyal and doesn't go. And things happen for a reason. And, and we have to look at those things. And even the worst of the worst, there's a reason. There's a reason. And I think you're at peace. Then you can be a little bit more peaceful, a little less frantic, even with your relationships, because you know that it's going to be okay. Yes. All right. Dropping the knowledge. All right. Well, that concludes another episode of Tuesday's Book Club. I am so grateful to be sharing and reading these books with my amazing co-hosts and friends. Thank you, Toby. Thank you, Barbara, for sharing again for another show. You're welcome. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) And for our listeners, don't miss the next show. Um, It will be on The Nightingale by Kristen Hanna. So grab that book. And join us in another two weeks where we 
banter, dialogue, share insights. Would love to also get your feedback. Uh, reach out to us at Tuesday's Book Club at pinkkangaroo.com. And that's kangaroo with the U at the end. This is an exclusive production for the Pink Kangaroo Network, which is made for a community of wild thinkers. Again, we really enjoy spending time with you and look forward to seeing you at the next Tuesday's Book Club. <laughs>